Hey educators, what's the scoop? Are you ready to be inspired by great things happening in rural Arizona classrooms? The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas, an innovative curriculum. We'll dive into current school issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of teachers, administrators, and educational professionals who will provide relevant and engaging content each episode. And now, serving up the Rural Scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sador. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for tuning in with us. I have Alberto Alanis with us, a science and math teacher who has worked with his students on an award-winning program that is happening at a middle school in the Sacaton Unified School District. Alberto, are you ready to give us the scoop? I am race ready. All right. First, before we get going on what's happening in your school, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background? Well, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting how I wound up in teaching. Um, my mother was a teacher, my brother is a teacher, but I'd never considered the career. Uh, I am a late in life, second career uh, teacher. So uh, what that means is, is that at the age of 60, I finished my teaching certificate. That was 2016. I had been in business as a finance and insurance guy for heavy duty truckers, uh, helping them acquire uh, commercial equipment. And that's where I'd spent most of my career. So uh, I got involved with something called Gilbert Leadership, which led me to uh, trying to substitute teach for a year at uh, one of the local junior highs by my home. Uh, I found I really enjoyed that. And actually, I, I did a long-term sub-assignment uh, as the language arts and drama teacher and uh, produced the school play for that school. So I said, okay, I'm in. And uh, I uh, continued uh, to, to work with charter schools. Uh, one of them was uh, the school for homeless kids. Another school was a last chance kind of high school. And I was very interested in mathematics. So I got highly qualified in mathematics. I uh, went through Rio Salado uh, because the state offers uh, an alternative path for a certification. Uh, and then uh, wound up getting my teaching certificate, uh, finishing that in 2016. And I've been here in Sacatone Elementary School District since then. Very, very happy. We just heard about you, but can you give us a little bit of information about your school and your district? Okay, so we are the only... Um, uh, school district uh, on the Gila River Indian Reservation. And that's unique because most schools on a reservation run through the uh, BIA, Bureau of Indian Affairs, and are managed by the BIE, which is the Bureau of Indian Education. Uh, that's more of a charter school type of, of uh, organizational chart. Uh, on the other hand, Sacaton uh, Elementary School District, number 18, is really a certified state school. So we are um, accountable to the Arizona Department of Education. And we get graded by that and, and through that system. So uh, we're kind of a unicorn here on the, uh, on the reservation in that respect. But if you'll notice, we're number 18. And that means that we've been around for a very, very long time uh, as a school district. Introduce us to your program, which involves a competitive grant. Give us the two-minute elevator speech. Uh, Samsung Electronics every year has a uh, program uh, for STEM 
teachers that is uh, Solve for Tomorrow. And the purpose of the uh, grant is, is to award a, a school for its STEM program. Uh, each school every year will uh, submit an application with a uh, proposal. Our proposal was uh, uh, on the framework of what helps our community. Can we use STEM to do that? And how will we execute and implement that uh, program? So that's, uh, that's what the Samsung Solve for Tomorrow program is. So this leads right into the next question that I have, which is how and why did you start this program or this curriculum that we're going to be talking about today? How, talk us through that. Well, uh, in late uh, 2017, uh, we were awarded a grant from the Gila River Indian community through tribal education to install a 144 tree citrus grove, hopefully purchasing a little more mature tree uh, so that we could produce a community orchard. Uh, historically, the Gila River community is an agricultural or agrarian based uh, society and uh, economy. And the goal of this is, is on several tiers. One tier is, is to connect with the community through the orchard where uh, residents uh, or tribal members can come onto school property and collect fresh fruit uh, that as it becomes ripened. <clears throat> the next part is, is to introduce students to agriculture since it is a um, cornerstone of their uh, historical uh, nature here. Uh, if you don't know the uh, Gila River community, specifically the uh, uh, Tanaho Otham community, uh, had irrigation canals uh, a thousand years ago. Uh, we know this because uh, just about uh, 15 miles away from our school is uh, the Casa Grande, which is a uh, historical monument for the ancient people that used to live here. So the Gila River runs through the entire community. And um, uh, as an agricultural-based uh, community, they needed to have an opportunity for students to uh, be exposed to agriculture and consider returning to the community once they've uh, graduated high school or college and participate in agriculture here on the uh, community uh, lands. So agriculture has been a cornerstone of the uh, community and recognizing that uh, we uh, started this orchard project uh, and created a class or curriculum around that. Uh, my class is called the Integrated Science and Math class. And uh, what we did is, is basically took our 7th and 8th grade students and had them uh, draft the uh, initial placement of the trees with specific orientations on the coordinate plane uh, on paper. And then we went out to the orchard, uh, and it was really scorched earth out there, uh, put in our initial uh, measurements, our initial uh, plots, and then started to dig holes. And, you know, it's funny, the students were uh, laughing and commenting that uh, we had to film this for our own, our own movie version of Holes. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the um, Community Orchard Project then uh, got its foothold with a uh, uh, phase one with 72 trees being installed by a local nursery. And then uh, that through the month of February 2018. And then uh, we waited uh, about uh, 30 days and then April, 
we started in with phase two, the second phase of our uh, orchard being installed with another 72 trees. And we're on about an acre of land out there. It's a 200 by 200 foot uh, uh, plot of land. So that's, that's how we started this program. And then what did that evolve into with, with the grant? What was the next step that you, that you then moved well, toward? Uh, it, I, let me just say this on the front end. I know nothing about agriculture. And that's an important statement because as a uh, lifelong learner, uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough to not take a chance. So we fail forward here in our district. That's kind of a district saying. And uh, that that I didn't know, I either relied on uh, industry professionals or other members of our community to help give me some guidance and leadership in, in this project. So an example of that is our irrigation system. Uh, we, uh, we had water already on site, but we needed to tap into that and then get it to the trees. So uh, again, our one of our vendors who helps our maintenance department with materials, uh, that was a Ewing Irrigation, uh, really stepped up to the plate to help me determine what is the best uh, agricultural uh, irrigation system for us, or a, a commercial system. Uh, and it so happened that uh, uh, we could actually build uh, this system using drip emitters uh, and then uh, solar panels to power the system. And that was, uh, that state-of-the-art uh, systems. Uh, so uh, we have a total of 12 different irrigation zones that are on program. Um, and uh, again, understanding that uh, technology and resources kind of need to meld together. Uh, for example, our water pressure as we come into the orchard on a two and a half inch pipe is 90 PSI. Uh, and we had to drop that down to 40 PSI to drive the, uh, to get the proper rate out of the emitters. So it was all of those learnings that the students had to go through to add experience. And uh, again, uh, fail forward, uh, we did have uh, system failures. We had blowouts and we had to learn how to connect the system, uh, how frequently we needed to water, how much water to actually put into the trees. So since we know that each emitter produces a gallon of water per hour, uh, we average six emitters per tree. So you can see the extension of uh, ratios and proportion as well as uh, rate and volume. And there's all of those mathematical calculations that needed to get put into place and then put the system together, which meant running lines, uh, connecting. We have over 2,500 connections in our orchard. Uh, recognizing how hard the sun beats down on this system because it's an above ground system. That, that was something because during the summer months, we were getting, well, when the system activated, the vinyl on the pipes was warm and the cold water uh, cursing through them popped off these uh, uh, valve fittings. So we wound up having to get uh, zip ties to anchor the connectors. Uh, well, uh, you just can't use any zip tie. It has to be UV rated. So what's UV? And it just opens up door after door after door of experience and learning for our students to experience. So you've, you've walked us through some of the challenges that both you and the students faced together and how you overcame them. Were there any challenges with the grant itself that you had to worry about? 
Well, we did because the grant really uh, was all inclusive, which meant that we had to uh, bring in our fifth and sixth grade uh, students. And then uh, the, the next part is, is to bring in our elementary school students to be universal, I suppose, for uh, uh, both schools because the elementary school campus goes uh, pre-K through fourth grade and the middle school campus goes fifth through uh, eighth grade. So trying to incorporate uh, both of those campus because we're on two separate properties, although we're adjacent to each other, uh, our, again, our school saying is, is uh, two schools, one voice. So how do we get these two groups together to actually uh, utilize this uh, resource that we've uh, uh, developed. So that challenge uh, has been met through uh, our uh, school leadership. Uh, Mr. Gillespie, our school principal for the middle school, and Ms. Burton, our uh, leader at uh, the elementary school, uh, now have uh, each independent program. So at the elementary school, we just started a 4-H club. And they will be using the orchard and the orchard resources to grow a vegetable garden uh, on their uh, a, a part of our orchard property. So uh, again, it's trying to meld two different uh, places with two different leaderships because there's a teacher group at the elementary school that also needs to uh, utilize and access uh, the orchard uh, resources. One of the things that I talked about with your superintendent, Cheryl Paul, was a problem that you were having, a challenge, if you will, with critters in the orchard. How did you address that particular challenge? Well, that is at the forefront of our Solve for Tomorrow program. The, our, our students uh, and, uh, call these uh, critters uh, prairie dogs. Uh, and they're just as cute as could be. If you, can, uh, if you watch The Lion King and you've seen Timon, that's what these... That's what these little rascals look like. Uh, so they have that little pointy nose. They stand on their hind legs and they look out. And they're really a round-tailed ground squirrel. Uh, they are very fruitful. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but they uh, uh, they they eat everything. Uh, they are omnivorous, which means that they'll eat uh, uh, crickets and uh, other insects as well as uh, fruits and vegetables. And since they are squirrels. Uh, they're very agile and can climb our trees. And what we discovered is, is that they really like pomegranates. Uh, our orchard has uh, grapefruit, uh, three different varieties, oranges, two different varieties, two different varieties of lemon, um, a variety of uh, tangelo, uh, peach, plum, uh, pomegranate, and fig trees. So there's, it's a smorgasbord of, of uh, dining for our, mm -hmm. uh, our, our inhabitants. And, and here's the other uh, thing, uh, the theory of unintended consequences. We built a ecosystem out there where there was nothing before. Now we have flourishing uh, uh, animal and insect activity. We have bees and hummingbirds and we have uh, ladybugs and bunnies and coyotes and uh, hawks and uh, just it, it, they they all now have entered the uh, uh, the area so in that ecosystem <clears throat> we found that how are we going to grow this fruit and give it up to the rodents for their snack time uh, it'll deprive the community of, of a resource that we had planned to share so 
the plan was, and, and by the way, let me just say this on the front end, we are a no-kill community, uh, not only academically, but also as an ethos within the uh, Gila River uh, community. Uh, if we don't have to kill something for food or otherwise, then we want to try and figure out a way to preserve life. Uh, having put in now an ecosystem and then having to kill off some of the residents didn't make any sense. So we got together and said, well, why don't we trap them? Well, uh, when we discovered that there's really not a viable non-lethal trap available, we decided that we were going to build one. And that was what we submitted to Solve for Tomorrow as our project. Because if we're having this problem with the rodents, then indeed other members of the community are having that problem with these rodents and therefore will not be able to grow their own uh, vegetable gardens and that type of thing because of competition for the food. So if we could figure out how to trap them, uh, send them off to another location or relocate them, uh, then we can share that trapping experience with our community, uh, also on, on our school property. And uh, it, it seemed to solve uh, a lot of uh, different challenges. So that's what we submitted. And that's what the uh, award is based off of. Along those same lines, if another school or district were looking to replicate what you're doing in Sacaton, why might they fail? What's some best practice advice that you could give our listeners? Well, one of the things that, that I think, because I, this is not my first year entering this competition. I had entered it last year. You have to really find what is it that your community needs. Uh, for example, one of the winners uh, last year was a uh, middle school that came up with an idea of how to pick up hypodermic needles safely for first responders. And they developed a, um, uh, a device, a vinyl device, a pliable a rubber device that uh, uh, would actually pick up a syringe uh, with a needle attached and safely uh, uh, dispose of it. You have to really understand uh, what your community's needs are and what you're capable of doing. Uh, so that's, that is probably the primary thing. And that's getting your students involved in the community. What is it that we see? What is it that, that we need? Uh, if you have a skateboard park and students are uh, having difficulty keeping, I don't know, their tires uh, off their skateboards from picking up stones and stuff, can we develop a sweeping device, for example, to uh, clean the area first? Uh, maybe it's a new elbow pad or a helmet or something that uh, might help that uh, portion of the community. So it's really being uh, in touch with your surroundings and not being so uh, closed off from uh, the externals uh, of your area. What are the successes of your programming? Your most inspiring success story that you can share with us? This is, this is very cool. We, ju we just took a coordinate plane, and that's kind of the the, the the, the primary tool that we've used to develop our entire program uh, because it's used on so many different levels. So we took the coordinate plane and built a huge one out at the orchard. So we have the X and Y axis represented with a two and a half inch uh, diameter uh, PVC pipe. Uh, I wish I could send you uh, the drone shot of what this thing looks like, but if you're looking at from uh, with Google Earth, you could actually see the coordinate plane out there and how we built that. And what it does is it helps students understand uh, this whole concept of location, the grid, uh, positive and negative numbers, 
relationships of linear equations. There's just uh, so many tiers within that learning, uh, especially for middle school students. Additionally, we incorporated, uh, which is our standard here on the uh, Gila River community, uh, using uh, Otham, which is the native language, and that numbering system, uh, and built in, and are building a game for our, uh, elementary school students. Uh, the seventh and eighth grade students are building that game for the elementary school students. Wow! Uh, along the lines of of the game, if you know Battleship. Yes. Okay, so uh, each tree will have a coordinate associated with it using Otham numbering systems and a color, so that we can share with uh, those students that learning how we implement uh, the Otham language and the coordinate plane and gridding and you know any n number of different associations with that. And on top of all of that, as another layer, if you will, uh, the type of tree. You know, what kind of tree is this? And what's it fruit? What does the fruit taste like? What does the fruit look like? Uh, can we compare and contrast an orange with a, uh, a peach or a orange with a lemon or a lemon with a grapefruit? Uh, uh, sweetness, tartness, uh, color of the food, uh, uh, interior of the, 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 the fruit, the, the thickness of the rind. You know, there's, there's just so many opportunities for learning uh, uh, and exp experience and getting the kids out of the classroom into an environment that uh, is really historically and traditionally within the uh, community uh, standards and mores. So you've really been able to take a multidisciplinary approach to this whole project for the last two years and involve yes. your community on top of that. Right. Uh, because of, of our community, for example, uh, when we had the uh, groundbreaking ceremony uh, for the orchard, uh, community members, and, uh, and in this community, elders are very, very uh, highly esteemed, uh, came out and we actually had uh, prayers and uh, singing uh, to inaugurate the, uh, the placement of our uh, orchard. That um, connection to the community uh, through historical or traditional values uh, was so important uh, so that we respect the land, we respect the culture, we respect the ethos of the, the let's say the religious aspect of that, uh, which is unusual, but yet appropriate for our community, uh, and then uh, develop from that the, the, the resource, the way it's intended to, I think, be developed and uh, utilized. What support or resources are available for others to tap into if they wanted to start a program similar to what you've done in Sacaton? Well, I think you have to understand what, what is it that our students need or want to learn. Uh, it, for us, our students are all struggling learners. Uh, I think that's an important thing to, to stay on, say on the front end. Uh, I, I will place any one of my students up against any student in any school district uh, in, a, in a competition. For example, uh, we entered the, uh, uh, I entered students into the uh, math league uh, competition here uh, in a local community in Gilbert. Uh, there was 33 uh, 6th and 7th graders competing. Uh, I took two students. My students placed 11th and 13th in this competition. Uh, that tells me that uh, my students can learn 
We just have to adapt the learning to their needs. With that understanding, you have to understand or, or appreciate what does our what does your student need to fill the gaps on their education. Um, and this is a personal opinion, uh, but we got to get these kids off the, the desktop and into real life circumstances. Uh, things like uh, junior achievement, their biz town. Field trips are so important for students to experience, uh, understanding what the community around them is and how their education will lead them to uh, being productive members of that community. Uh, I have a saying in my classroom, stop doing the math, start doing the thinking. Because when we get students in the middle school, teaching them uh, the algorithms, but what does it mean? I think that uh, a lot of curriculums can be improved by actually getting away uh, from the books and into real, more real life circumstances. What are the next steps with the Samsung grant competition? February 15th is uh, the drop dead day to uh, submit our next level of the competition. We have to produce a three minute video basically showcasing what we're doing, how we're doing it, what are the standards that we're applying for it, in other words, academic standards, and is it feasible? Can we actually accomplish that? Each state has a state winner, so there'll be 50 entries. Uh, the review committee will look at that and pick the top 10. Those top 10 automatically receive $50,000 in uh, Samsung technology. From those top 10, three are selected, and they will receive $100,000 of Samsung technology. But there's a catch. Once you submit your video and you're selected for the top 10, you get to go to New York and do a Shark Tank type of presentation where you pitch your uh, idea uh, and its feasibility to a, a group of educators and industry professionals and determine the viability of that. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that Sacatone won for the state of Arizona. I don't think we've mentioned that. So that's important to know that your school and your district are representing Arizona as part of those 50 competitors. Yes. So big picture. Uh, there was 3,500 approximate entrants into the competition. In the 50 states, five finalists were selected. Uh, from those five finalists, one was selected as a state winner. So we made it uh, through that first cut uh, to the five finalists, and then we had to wait to determine whether or not we actually won. I, that was right before Thanksgiving. So right before Christmas, uh, we were told that we were the state winner. You know, here's the thing. Uh, if you don't try, you don't know. Uh, you've got to really be willing to risk failure in order to succeed. Uh, to think that you're less than uh, capable just because you're a small district or your rural district or your students are struggling learners doesn't mean that, that you can't compete with other uh, organizations. All you have to do is really uh, uh, get out there and do the best that you're capable of doing. And uh, I have a, another fond saying, uh, we are not looking for perfect, we're looking for accurate. Uh, if that makes any sense at all. And, and I can prove that because when we look at the placement of our trees, uh, they're a little wonky. <laughs> they are not precision set. 
there, the, the distances between the tree trunks is on a 16 foot center and that works, but uh, our lines and uh, are a little crooked. And when the uh, arborists came out to install the, the trees, they said, can we straighten these out? I said, no, that defeats the purpose of what our students were doing. Um, because they laid out the holes, they laid out the stakes and all of that. And you have to be willing to accept uh, accurate. And if accurate isn't perfect, that's okay. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a weird way of looking at things, but I think it's true. Uh, you have to be willing to get out there and be willing to uh, be willing to take a couple of, of hits, but uh, through it all, be strong enough to, to stand up and say, yeah, we can do this. If anyone wants more information, how can they get in touch with you? Well, uh, the school uh, has its website, www.sacatoneschoolsplural.org, uh, or you can have my email, A-A-L-A-N, as in Nancy, I-Z as in zebra, at Sacatone, S-A-C-A-T-O-N, schools.org. Uh, we are on Twitter. Twitter account is S-E-S-D underscore 18. Uh, we do have Facebook uh, under the same tag ID. So, uh, and then Instagram. Well, Alberto, thank you so much for being involved with the podcast today. I want to let all the Rural Scoop listeners know that Alberto's contact information will be available in the show notes. So you can check that out at the Arizona Rural Schools Association website at azruralschools.org and get more detailed information on how to get in touch with Alberto. Thanks again for talking with us today, Alberto. We appreciate your time. And thank you for your kindness. And thank you for all you do for our rural schools. member of the Podnuga Network.